psychotic geeks obsessed with every little detail. It'll never get on the air. Well, I think it's good for a show to go off the air before it becomes stale and repetitive. I've just been informed that we are going off the air. Off air with Emily and Catherine. I think we should redo that song. <laughs> little cover. Little cover. <sighs> little cover, cover. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> She's taking a break. Stupid. That's rude. It's fine. She got a concussion, so it's... She's allowed. Oh, how'd she get a concussion? She fell in her hotel room and, like, cracked her head open. Man, falls make me nervous. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. I'm just gonna... So she's taking a break. My mom's texting me. Jose's texting me. Brandon's texting. I don't care if Brandon texts, though. I like it. I texted. Oh, Emily texted. Golly. 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 See what Brandon said to that, what I said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. <sighs> He's like, I got all day. Yeah. He's like, I'm ready. He's fired up. Brandon's Lord. fired up. This is all here with Emily and Patra. Hi. We're back. It's, when this is out, it's three days until the 4th of July. <gasps> Two days until mm. our biggest event of the entire world. Our biggest event of the year. It's the most wonderful time. It's the most. For everyone except employees of this out place. Time. Um. I just brought- Oh my gosh, true crime on Dr. Oz. West Memphis 3 inmate Damian Eccles speaks out that life after death He row. doesn't look like, okay. Oh. What's he doing? Is he blind now? Is he blind? Hey, are we assholes? Yeah. Shit. Also, why does Dr. Oz have a true crime show? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Oz. Because I'm pretty sure earlier this morning when uh, I was voice tracking, there was, <clears throat> what's it called? The Dish with Dr. Oz. Okay. So why is, He just wants to gossip. Why is Dr. Oz got all these shows? <laughs> I left my Facebook up in here and it's like Brittany and my insurance agent who I'm mad at. <laughs> okay. All right. There we go. We closed it. Why? Oh God. Oh why God. are we ridiculous? I don't know. It's 2.17 currently. That's probably why. Because it's almost the end of the day. Yeah. Like I should have left already, but yeah. I'll be. I'm. I'm staying till four today. Mm. Yeah, get it, girl. Eleven hours. Mm. It worth it. Let me work it. Yeah, I really want to watch this. I don't want to record this. I want to watch this. All right. Hang on. Let's just turn the sound up. I just want to hear him talk. We haven't done the bus Memphis mm. three yet, have we? Yeah. You did. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. But. We've been doing this for eight months now. Oh, my God. Once a week for eight months. And <sighs> and a couple times we did an extra. Yeah. So, like, 30-plus cases for both of us. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't think he's blind. Hmm. Sorry. Oh, dang. He didn't ask me anything on Reddit in 2012. <gasps> I'm going to just, like, I'm after. going into a rabbit hole after we're done with this yeah, episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally Shit. sending that. To myself on Facebook Messenger right now, so I don't forget. <laughs> I'll think, "Ooh, I sent myself something to talk about on the morning show," and I'll be like, "Oh, no, no, this is <laughs> for me, <laughs> private." Oh gosh! And we're back. <laughs> so, <clears throat> one of okay, 
All right. How do we explain this? The co-host on our sister station quit, Mm -hmm. and she's not going to be working here anymore. So I'm filling in over on our sister station, which is in Franklin, which is a half hour away from Columbus. So I'm not going to be in the Columbus often as frequently. So Patrick and I have to figure out what in the heck. We're still doing the podcast. Yes. Don't panic. Until further notice. But we have to figure out our recording schedule because obviously Patrick and I have the convenience of working in the same office right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, I have these two hours free on this day. So the next couple weeks might be there might be a missed episode here or there. Yeah. We're going to try our hardest to not. Um, but we also might have to change like go live dates. It might not mm-hmm. be Monday anymore, but we'll figure it out. We'll we let will. you know. Uh, we'll keep you updated on the social media and like the Facebook. Once we get our routine, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll it's, be back to normal. Yeah. It's just a, another routine shift that yeah. we have to figure out. And we are good at that. We are, we're good at we figuring shit out. We are good at it. We're real good oh, at it. Oh man. So. Plus our lives are super busy and you know. Yeah. We have big events coming up for both of these two stations. Mm-hmm. Plus, summer's wild. All of our regular stuff. Yeah. So, I might get to drive a monster truck. I heard. Oh, fuck. So fuck exciting. me up with that truck. Are I am going to be able to get in it? Though someone will toss me. You can come I, and I'll hoist come me hoist, up there. I'll come hoist you up. <laughs> Hold on. I got a Snapchat from Brandon. Oh. This might be important. Oh, it's a video. Hold on. I'll, okay. I was going to go look this so we can. Hold on. It's still loading. Volume up. This is life now. He's got Paisley. <gasps> but daddy duty. Wish me luck. Oh. Brandon. Oh, At least she's a perfect child. Right? I don't want, I, I don't even like, I mean, I love babies and I love holding them, but I don't even like the idea of thinking that, you know, oh God, my poor kid. Speaking of children, <laughs> right? I don't want a baby, but man, I love to hold a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I'm moving this weekend. Yeah. You're moving this weekend? Yeah. I refined. So I so got a divorce. I've been separated for quite some time. I got a divorce. I've been seeing someone else. And oh, speaking of someone else, seeing someone else, hi, Joe's mom. Ah! <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Mo- just moving in with your like, son. Oh shit! I for- she <laughs> forgot that you listen. <laughs> so my boyfriend and I are moving in together this weekend. Yeah, you are. Um, super nervous about it. You'll be great. It's gonna be fine. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. It's so much fun. I haven't even seen him since Sunday. We haven't. Okay, we haven't spent two consecutive nights together mm-hmm. ever. Ever. Oh, and then you're going to spend then all the consecutive together. nights together. Yeah, It'll be fine. It's nice because the kids are already, like, really comfortable around him mm-hmm. because we just all act the same, kind of, like, yeah. idiots. You guys, are def- you guys are all the same people. Yeah, we all have, like, <laughs> the same personality. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Me and the kids especially, and he fits right in with it yeah. with us. And his son does, too, and it's just pretty, pretty good. But stay tuned. In, like, six months, I could have a, an update where I'm, like, Hey, Joe's mom, he sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. She's going to be like, it's not my fault. (laughs) I told him to put the toilet seat down as he was growing up. It's not my fault. (laughs) Oh, man. I am so excited to move. I love working in the area that I work in, the location. Mm -hmm. I don't love living so damn close to it. Yeah. And how congested downtown is. Mm Mm-hmm. I have to use an alley to get to my parking lot. It's a very conveniently located parking lot for my work and meetings and such. And 
living down here. It's not because I'm always, I'm, and I don't have any chill. I have road rage. So if there's a truck unloading mm-hmm. in the alley and I can't get home, you better believe my ass is laying you on the horn, been. flipping people off like, <laughs> I fucking live here, asshole. You would have been so angry God. yesterday. So I forgot PNC moved. Mm. And I so I went back to your apartment because mm-hmm. I like tried to find a parking spot. I was like, I'm just going to park at Patrick's. I mean, place. I feel like now that we know it's there. there. Was, I know, right? <laughs> there was that plaza or piazza yeah. truck there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Another truck oh. pulled into Ooh. the other, but like pulled in the other direction, perpendicular to that. And I was like, Petra would. <laughs> and, and. Was there a goddamn concert at the library too? No. Fuck. But there was a work van off of 4th Street oh my God. in that little alley. Yeah. So there was, I could only get in through that very, that side entrance that I usually leave mm-hmm. out of. I was like, oh, she would have been so angry oh, if we man. were here together. She'd be like, what is happening? Even if there is, if I can't go the way that I typically go, and even if the other way is open, because there's two entrances to this mm-hmm. little lot, and it's only like 10 spots, right? 10 yeah. on each side, so yeah. 20 spots or something. I don't know, not not big. Um, I get fucking pissed, mm-hmm. and I will like just drive past my normal turn and glare at the truck and the men mm-hmm. unloading it. Or if there's women outside, like there's a group of women from uh, the insurance company down there that step out and smoke. If they even like glance at my car, I'm like, what the fuck do you want? What are you looking at? What are you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just like, yeah, I just want to go. By the time I'm driving, by the time I'm pulling into my parking lot, Mm -hmm. I've had like work crap. I'm sure I've been here too long. Baby daddy drama. Yeah. Teenager being a shithead. Mm-hmm. And I'm just ready to go in that apartment and take my bra off. The last thing you want to <sighs> do is worry about working around other people Yeah, when you're trying to go home. When you're trying to get home. Yeah. And I when I first moved in over there, it's so busy. When I would take my trash out, I would stay, like, completely dressed. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck anymore. Mm-hmm. It was only, like, eight months or something. And I'm like, cool, if you don't want to see my floppy titties while I'm taking the trash out— <laughs> Don't look, Henry Social Club, because yeah. sorry, this is what you're getting. Yep. It's fine. It's great. Booty shorts, wet hair. I don't give a shit. I also was thinking the other night, I was, I don't know why it popped in my head, but I was like, oh, she doesn't have to worry about men coming into their car window and telling her where she works. Oh my God. <laughs> Jeez. Like, oh, you're going to, you're going to be so happy. I'm, I'm so excited for you. So, so it's gonna happy. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I'll get to sit outside. There's no place to be outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the closest you get to outside is either if you go down into your parking lot or if you open a window. Yeah, and if I open the window, then the dude who works in that building will be outside smoking a cigarette directly beneath me. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Ugh. Nobody wants that. I get to move anyway. Yeah. 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 We're going to, like, be a little family. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited He's for He's so nice. He is really nice. Yeah. Good job, Joe's mom. Good job, Joe's mom. <laughs> For now. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, okay, so I meant to do two. I only got one story, but it's a good, thick boy. That's fine. Yeah. Who goes first? Hold on, I'll tell you. I think I do. I think you do. Yes, I do, because even though I did that baby story, I still went last. 
that baby story. (laughs) It wasn't about (laughs) a baby. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Oh, thank God my appraisal is good. Yeah? Yeah, it came in way over what, like, I'm paying for it, so. That's good. Not way over, but like 30. That's pretty good, right? Shit, yeah, it is. Okay, so um, this was recommended by a listener. I don't remember who did it. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry, too. (laughs) So sorry. But this is the dresser drawer murder. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I got this from the Indie Star, this article. Mm. So shout out to the Indie Star. Indie Star, what up? The Claypool Hotel in Indianapolis once received powerful politicians and even President Lincoln in 1861 when it was the Bates House. So, like, important people have stayed there. Okay. On August 28th, 1943, in the middle of World War II, a housekeeper at the hotel found the body of 33-year-old Women's Army Corps Corporal Mayoma L. Ridings in room 729. Ridings, a woman from Warm Springs, Georgia, was serving in the Women's Army Corps at Camp Atterbury when she was headed to Indianapolis for a date. The evening came to a horrific end. Around 8 p.m., a hotel made— oh. Around 8 p.m., the maid found her in room 729, murdered with a broken bottle of whiskey. Whoa. Yeah. Police searched for an elusive woman dressed in black, the last person spotted with writings earlier in the evening. And although many leads were pursued, the crime remains a cold case to the day. A woman? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Nearly 11 years later, the hotel was again rocked by scandal when 18-year-old Dorothy Poor was skilled— when 18-year-old Dorothy Poor, skilled at typing in shorthand, oh. had made two previous visits to Indianapolis for job interviews and was scheduled to take a civil service examination on Friday, July 18th in 1954. What do you take those for? Like post office? Civil think, service? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Probably. I don't really I don't really know. I'm sorry for asking questions like that. It's okay. I'm sorry for not having the answers to my story. Shit. (laughs) Born August 21st in 1935 in Chicago, Illinois, she thought Indianapolis might hold more career opportunities than her Vermilion County home of Clinton. Poor's nearly nude body was discovered on the 18th when maids noticed a horrible odor coming out of the dresser. Oh. A lack of air conditioning and a heat wave that had swept through Indianapolis expedited the decomposition of her remains. Poor's death was referred to as the dresser drawer murder and was one of the most sensational crimes sensational in Indianapolis <laughs> history. <laughs> I hadn't said that for a while, and Christopher said something the other day, and I said, sensational. And he goes, ah! and like lost it. It was great. <laughs> oh. Poor's five foot six inch, 125 pound body was jammed into a dresser drawer. Which That's was, a skinny woman. Yeah. Damn. Which was about 48 inches by 24 inches and approximately 10 inches deep. So that's, so it was that's how, a, sm- how it's long? a small drawer. How long was the drawer? 48 inches. 48 inches. So four feet. Four feet. By two feet. And she's five and a half And feet. 10 inches oh. deep. Yeah. Oh. Marion County Coroner Roy B. Storms said there was no evidence her death was caused by blows and puncture wounds or bullets and that she had possibly been smothered to death. Moore noted that there were no signs. No, 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 no. Storms noted that there were no signs of violence on the body and bluntly added, you don't just stuff yourself into a dresser drawer. True. Obviously. Thank you. (laughs) Poor was registered at the Lorraine Hotel at 12 South Capitol Avenue. Police believed she had been lured to the Claypool with the promise of a job. Poor's grandmother, Lillian Darcy, told police and reporters that Dorothy was warned by a fortune teller that she shouldn't go to Indianapolis to look for a job as she faith 
my God. She faced death upstairs in a building. Oh, my God. Yeah. Remember when you went to a psychic? Yeah, seriously. Shit. (laughs) The prophecy said Mrs. Darcy told her to never go back to Indianapolis, that she was going to meet a person with light coloring that would grab her by the thread and take her pocketbook. Indianapolis star reporter Carolyn Pickering was so disturbed by the notion that young country girls could be easily swallowed up by the big city, she posed as a young, fresh-off-the-farm girl looking for work in Indianapolis. Within minutes after hopping off the bus, she was approached by kindly gentlemen offering her protection, fatherly advice, drinks, and hotel rooms. Oh, how nice. Indianapolis Police Captain Robert Riley, Sergeant Randolph Schubert, and Sergeant Harold Goodman, who were tasked with solving the murder, had a suspect from the outset named Jack O'Shea, the man who had registered the room at the time of the death. O'Shea was described by several hotel employees, including one bellhop who said, he had offered him $50 to get him a girl. $50? I don't I'll know get you a girl for was. $50 Probably. today. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> it wasn't until Indianapolis Star reporter Charles G. Griffo discovered a small green signature-covered hotel, hotel desk blotter that the police got the murderer's true identity. Reading is hard today. So, I'm sorry. Who who discovered the desk blotter thing? Uh, a different Indianapolis Star reporter. Okay. So these reporters are like, yeah, they're doing better digging than these some dirt up. Shit, are, I guess. Yeah, Griffo surmised that the Jekyll and Hyde character who registered as the well-heeled stranger Jack O'Shea at the Claypool had registered under his real name at another hotel. When a sketch of the suspect was published, Morris Riskin, the vice president of Star Laundry and Dry Cleaners, told police that a former employee known as Victor Lively could be the suspect who police were looking for. A registration at the Kirkwood Hotel also led police to Lively, a 25-year-old door-to-door roofing salesman. Police apprehended him while he was hitchhiking in Clayton, Missouri, and was brought back to Indianapolis to stand trial. Once in custody and after a good meal and a few hours sleep, he felt the need to clear his conscience. The six times married father of one confessed he had been drinking, had picked up poor at a hamburger stand, and then taken her back to his motel where he continued to drink, something he later said that they argued about. Lively admitted strangling poor as she rejected his multiple sexual advances. He claimed he killed her around 2.30 a.m. and then sat in the room staring at her body until daybreak before putting her corpse into the drawer. The coroner disputed Lively's claims, noting the condition of the body indicates that it would have had to been put into the drawer before rigor mortis set in. So that probably wasn't right. Uh... Lively told police that he was acting as a contact man for a white slave ring. Lively's job was to seduce the girls and then proposition them for a prostitution ring. To the relief of Poor's family, Lively admitted she was not a hustler but a nice girl. I know they'll burn me, he said before his trial. The jury of 11 men and one woman had other ideas. After 13 days, the jury convicted him of committing murder while attempting to perpetrate a rape. Lively was sentenced to life at the Indiana State Prison at Michigan City on December 2nd, 1954. He was paroled on July 25th, 1980, and died less than a year later. In 1967, the hotel underwent a number of updates. The rooms were renovated, and the exterior was sandblasted to brighten the facade. The effort was in vain. In the early morning hours of June 23rd, a fire broke out in a utility closet on the fourth floor. The fire, most likely caused by a discarded a discarded cigarette, smoldered for hours before being discovered. Over 30 
not 30, 300. Over 300 guests had to be evacuated, including Tacoma Cubs AAA baseball team and the Fraternal Order of Eagles who were having their convention in town. Although the fire was contained to the utility area between the third between the fourth and fifth floors, heavy water damage from the firefighting efforts flooded the lobby and rendered more than 80 rooms unusable. Damn. Rather than attempt to restore the hotel, the owners opted to close the building in hopes of developing a new hotel on the site. Legal problems caused by first floor retail tenants delayed demolition for another two years and an attempt to redevelop the site in the late 1970s included a Radisson hotel, but nothing came of it. Finally, anticipating a downtown revival, Simon Property Group constructed Claypool Court on the historic site. The project included restaurants and retail outlets on the lower floors and a high-rise Embassy Suites Hotel on the corner of Capitol and Washington Street. That's, That's crazy. Um, okay. <clears throat> Why was, I mean, this is, I'm glad that it was figured out, but mm -hmm. why was the reporter so integral? Right. <laughs> integral to the I don't know. Solving the case. I don't know. But do you think like, people like really do you think reporters it. do that stuff now? Because I feel like they do not. Right. I don't think so. But they were adamant that they were gonna solve it. And they were like, no. This guy checked in under a false name. Go check the other hotel down the street. <laughs> <laughs> Please go check the other hotel. Go do your job. My God. Yeah. That's crazy. That... There's a picture. Yeah. Uh, I'll share it. I'm so sorry. I'll share it on our Instagram page because it's not like gruesome, but you can see her, her upper body's covered, mm -hmm. but her, you can see her legs in the drawer and she's like, they're pulling her out of the drawer. Oh. It's insane. Oh. It's mm. black and white. It's more like kind of <laughs> sketchy. It's okay. Not like, it's okay because it's black and white. <laughs> yeah. That that makes no, it's like it's not real life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I said it's kind of sketchy. Not like like sketchy, but like drawn sketchy. <laughs> God. I need to nap. I know. <laughs> All right. We're doing wonderful. Yeah, we are. Okay. I gotta pick up these papers real quick. Yeah. I, I okay. threw on the ground. All right, pick them up. Get them. Okay, so mine is kind of long. <clears throat> You know, I like to watch all the true crime stuff that, mm -hmm. all the murder shit that Netflix be putting out. Yes. Uh, okay, uh, so that was, <laughs> that was a good one. It feels like there's an ending. Is that it? That was it. Was that the ending? That was the ending. Hmm. That's okay. My stomach has sounded like a cauldron all day. Yeah. When yeah. we got back from 4th Street, my stomach started bubbling. And I was like, mm. I know. I didn't even eat any carbs during that. It's probably the donut I ate this morning. Oh, God. I've had two of those this week. Oh, yeah, because... Yeah. Yeah. Did Br Brittany brought him in? Brian from the airport. Brian. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so I added his name to the thank you list. <laughs> At the firework, I was like, it did just say airport, and that'll say Brian Payne <gasps> of the airport. All it, take, all it took was a donut. Mm-hmm. All you gotta do is feed me. You want your name on a list? Bring us food. That's right. You want your name on a list? I'm not going to tell you what list it's going to go on. Right. But. <laughs> you better bring us some food or your name's going on that list. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So on the night of April 19th, 1989, Trisha Miley went out for her regular run in Central Park. I think it's Miley. It's spelled M-E-I-L-I. -I. That's how I would say it. Okay. So. <clears throat> sure. And I'm, I watched a Dateline. <laughs> of course I did. Yeah. And she was in it. It was recent. And I'm pretty sure they call her My Miley. Okay. Because it made me think of Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. Anyway, cool. Trisha Miley went out for her regular run in Central Park. It was approximately 9 p.m. 
While she was jogging through the park, she was jumped, dragged, or chased 300, oh, I'm sorry, almost 300 feet before she was violently assaulted. She was raped and beaten nearly to death. Her injuries left her in a coma for 12 days. She suffered from, um, when I was looking through the list, that was all listed as like severe. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, she suffered from hypothermia, brain damage, severe hemorrhage, um, severe hemorrhagic shock. Mm-hmm. She lost uh, 75 to 80% of her blood <gasps> and internal bleeding as well. Her skull had been fractured so badly that her left eye was dislodged from its socket. Oh, my God. And that left eye socket was fractured in 21 places. Holy shit. She also had many severe facial fractures. Um, in addition to the eye socket? Yeah, uh, in addition oh to the God. eye socket. Trisha Miley is known as the Central Park jogger. Wow. Yeah. She has a great recovery, spoiler alert, and continues to run. She, after her recovery, soon after her her attack and recovery, she ran a marathon. Wow. Yeah. Like, this woman, she couldn't even walk for a while. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dang. I I don't see the date anyway. Initially, medical personnel thought that she would die from these injuries, and she was given last rites. Because of this prognosis, police began to treat the case as a probable homicide, so they were, like, on it. Trisha was treated for seven weeks in Metropolitan Hospital in East Harlem. When she first came out of her coma, she couldn't talk, read, or walk. In early June, Trisha was transferred to Gaylord Hospital, a long-term care facility in Connecticut, where she spent another six months in rehabilitation. Trisha did not regain her ability to walk until mid-July 1989. She returned to work eight months after the attack. Holy cow. Yeah. Due to her severe brain damage and head trauma, she had no memory of the attack or of any events up to an hour before the assault, nor of the six weeks following the attack. So she just doesn't remember that whole chunk of her life. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I mean, it's probably for the best, but it's insane. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. Trisha Miley was born on June 24th, 1960 in New Jersey. She was a Phi Beta Kappa economics major at Wellesley College, where she received a BA in 1982. In 1986, she earned an MA from Yale and an MBA in finance from the Yale School of Management. Dang. Fucking getting it. She's a badass. Yeah. She worked in the corporate finance department and energy group of Salomon Brothers, yeah, from the summer of 86 up until her attack. Uh, she, tell, like in some of the interviews I've seen with her, she talks about how she always wanted to work in New York. She was a little girl. Mm-hmm. She wanted to make it, you know, be a businesswoman. Yeah. And she wanted to run in Central Park. Like, that's, that's what she liked. Wow. That's what she was after. She was, yeah. But she was, like, trying to live— and she, it sounds to me like she was living, like, what every, not, maybe not every, but what girls yeah. kind of dream about of, m- let me move to New York and be this badass woman and have this amazing New York life. Yeah. And she was doing that. So, real quick, uh, she recovers, you know, yeah. we say that. Um, she walked a marathon in 94 and ran it in 1995. So, just... Five years after that attack. That's insane. And she, like, ran through Central Park again. Like, she, yeah. that's insane. That's, yeah, that. <sighs> like, I'm just so impressed with her. I don't know. 
I That's probably what took me so long doing this one. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up way too much about her. I want to meet her and give her a giant hug. Yeah. Golly. Anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, on the night of Trisha Miley's assault in Central Park, eight others were attacked. The attacks were allegedly committed by a group and like a group, but like they splintered out. Mm-hmm. So like a loose group of about 30 teenagers. Oh, my goodness. Here is a list of the others assaulted. Michael Vigna, a competitive bike rider hassled about 9.05 by the group. Um, one tried to punch him like while he's on his bike. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Antonio Diaz, a 52-year-old man walking in the park near 105th Street, knocked to the ground by the teenagers about 9.15. They stole his bag of food and bottle of beer. I'd be fucking pissed. Hell yeah. Um, he was left unconscious but was soon found by police. Gerald Malone and Patricia Dean, they were riding on a tandem bike. Um, they were attacked on East Drive south of 102nd Street about 9.15 by boys who tried to stop them and grab Dean, the woman, um, the couple called police after reaching a call box. So there's like a bunch of kids at the same time running around fucking shit up. Mm-hmm. David Lewis Banker attacked and robbed about 925 to 940. Robert Garner attacked at 930. David Good attacked at about 945. And John Laughlin, 40-year-old teacher, severely beaten and kicked about 9.40 to 9.50 near the reservoir and left unconscious. He was also robbed of his Walkman and other items. Wow. Yeah, so all that happened within about the span of an hour. Mm -hmm. And Trisha started her run at like 9 Yeah, at the beginning of it. Police were dispatched to the park at 9.30 and responded with scooters and unmarked cars. Trisha Miley's, she was not discovered. I almost said her body. She's alive. Trisha Miley was not discovered until 1.30 a.m., um, unconscious, obviously. With how brutally she was beaten, the police intensified their search for the teens responsible for the attacks earlier in the park that night. Along with 14 or more other suspects over the next few days, uh, four African-American and two Hispanic-American teenagers were taken into custody. After lengthy interrogations, these teenagers were indicted on May 10th on charges of assault, robbery, riot, rape, sexual abuse, and attempted murder relating to the attacks on Miley and uh, John Laughlin, the 40-year-old school teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, Normal police procedure would say that kids under the age of 16, you don't release their name to the public, Mm -hmm. but policy was ignored when names of the arrested juveniles were released to the press before any of them had been formally arraigned or indicted. Mm. Yusef Salam, 14, Corey Wise, 16, Kevin Richardson, 14, Raymond Santana, 14, and Antron McRae, 15. The five juveniles who later became known as the Central Park Five were interviewed for at least seven hours each before the detectives attempted to record their statements as videotaped confessions. Some of the boys were held for longer periods of time without access to the bathroom Um, or food or drink. The videotape confessions were not started until after some of the young men had been kept awake for as long as two days. Santana, McRae, and Richardson made video statements in the presence of a parent, but no parents had been present during the hours of police interrogations that went on before the taped statements. Mm. I gotta, this thing is, there's (laughs) a pop-up ad and it's really (laughs) popping. Um, 
four of the five boys confessed to police about other attacks, including robbery and assault. So they were part of the group. They were running around in the park that night. To which they, at least that's what, you know, they're saying. Mm-hmm. To which they said they were witnesses or participants, which were commit. okay, and yeah, in other areas of the park. Each of the suspects had made different errors. I don't know about errors. Each of the suspects had made different claims in time and place about the jogger attack and their confessions, with most placing it near the reservoir. None of the five said that they had raped the jogger, but each confessed to having been an accomplice to the rape. I'm going to pause here. There was a um, Netflix, four-episode Netflix show about this. What was it called? When They See Us? I don't know. I think that's what it was called. I have, I have it wrote down here. Hold on. My notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, When They See Us. Good job. There is scenes where these young men, and I mean, it could be scripted for TV mm-hmm. drama. These young men's dads or parent, mom, their parents basically are like, hey, it's the 80s in New York, and we're not white. Mm-hmm. You got to give them something. Mm-hmm. Like, they were basically like, we're sorry that you have to learn about the world this way, but yeah. you're going to have to cop to something to get them to leave you alone or or tell something to get mm-hmm. them to leave you alone. Yeah. Um, each youth said that he had only helped restrain the jogger or touched her while one or more others had raped her. So they were trying to, like, cop to lesser mm-hmm. things. Their confessions varied as to who they identified as having participated in the rape, including naming several youths who were never charged. Antron McRae said that a, quote, Puerto Rican kid with a hoodie had been the one who had raped the jogger. Mm -hmm. After the major media's decisions to print the boys' names, photos, and addresses, they and their families received, like, serious threats. Other residents living in their area where in the area where four of the suspects lived were also threatened. So just if you lived there and knew them. um, Because of this, editors of the City Sun and the Amsterdam News chose to use uh, Trisha Miley's name in their own coverage as well. So victim, all the Mm -hmm. kids accused, their names never should have been out there. They were out there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to quote somebody. Ready for his name? Mm -hmm. Reverend Calvin O. Butts. (laughs) of this Baptist church in Harlem came to support the five suspects, um, saying to the New York Times, the first thing you do in the United States of America when a white woman is raped is round up a bunch of black youths, and I think that's what's happened here. Mm. I mean, I I wanted to just get that out there, Mm -hmm. Um, even though he had a ridiculous name. Sorry, Calvin. (laughs) On May 1st, 1989, Donald Trump... A, at the time, real estate magnate called for the return of the death penalty in a full-page advertisement published in all four of the city's major newspapers. Trump said he wanted the criminals of every age who were accused of beating and raping a jogger in Central Park 12 days earlier to be afraid. The advertisement, which cost an estimated, back then it was 85000 equivalent to $175,000, said in part, Mayor Koch has stated that hate and rancor should be removed from our hearts. I do not think so. I want to hate these muggers and murderers. They should be forced to suffer. Yes, Mayor Koch, I want to hate these murderers, and I always will. How can our great society tolerate the continued brutalization of its citizens by crazed misfits? Criminals must be told that their civil civil liberties end 
when an attack on our safety begins. Our president, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. There's this ad. Mm. Bring back the death penalty. Bring back our police. Donald Trump. Whatever. (laughs) Remember when he was a real estate magnate and we didn't really have to worry about him? He was just an asshole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, In the first trial, which began June 25th, 1990, Antron Yusuf Salam, and Raymond Santana were tried. Each of the teenagers had his own defense counsel. The jury consisted of four European-Americans, four African-Americans, and four Latinos, one Asian-American. Miley testified at the trial, but her her identity was not given to the court. None of the three defense attorneys cross-examined her. The jury deliberated for 10 days before rendering its verdict. Each of the three youths was acquitted of attempted murder, but convicted of assault and rape of the female jogger and convicted of assault and robbery of John Laughlin. Um, Salam and McRae were 15 years old and Santana 14 years old at the time of the crime. They were each sentenced to the maximum allowed for juveniles five to 10 years each in a youth correctional facility. The second trial of Kevin Richardson and Corey Wise began October 22, 1990. Kevin Richardson, 14 at the time of the crime, had been free on $25,000 bail before the trial. Um, ADA, what does that stand for again? Assistant District Attorney. There we go. Elizabeth Letterer had a lengthy opening statement. Corey Wise broke down at the defense table after hearing it, weeping and shouting that she had lied. He was removed temporarily from the courtroom. Richardson's defense counsel made a motion for a mistrial because of the potential effect on the jury of his crying. Mm -hmm. The judge rejected it. The trial proceeded. The defense attorneys noted that each boy had limited intellectual ability and said that neither was capable of preparing the written statements or videotaped confessions submitted by the prosecution as evidence and that the confessions had been coerced. Mm -hmm. Um. Miley testified again at this trial. Her name was not given again. Her name was not given in court. This time, one of the defense counsels did cross-examine her. Wise's lawyer. Miley would later say in an interview on Oprah, "Quote: I didn't feel wonderful about the boys' defense attorneys, especially the one who cross-examined me. He was right in front of my face, and in essence, calling me a slut by asking questions like, excuse me, when's the last time you had sex with your boyfriend?" Wise's lawyer had also asked her whether she had ever been assaulted by men in her life, suggested that a man she knew may have attacked her, and implied that her injuries were not as severe as they had been presented. Fuck you, dude. Like, I'm on these boys' side, but eat a dick. Yeah. Richardson was the only one of the five defendants to be convicted of attempted murder of Miley in addition to sodomy and assault of her and robbery and riot and the attack on John Laughlin, another jogger in the— we, yeah, mm-hmm. he was sentenced to five to 10 years in a juvenile facility. He was only 14. Corey Wise, 16 years old at the time of the crime, acquitted of rape and attempted murder while inca- incarcerated in the Rikers Island adult jail before the trial. Corey Wise allegedly told the older sister of a friend of his, Melody Jackson, that he had restrained and fondled the jogger. Jackson, so testif- Jackson testified about this at Corey's trial. Corey, Corey Wise was convicted of lesser charges of sexual abuse, assault, and riot in the attack on the female jogger and on Laughlin. But because of his age and the violent nature of the felony charge, he was tried and sentenced as an adult, receiving 5 to 15 years in adult prison. 
after the verdict, Wise shouted at the prosecutor, you're going to pay for this. Jesus is going to get you. You made this up. Hmm. Yeah. In 2001, convicted serial rapist and murderer Mateus Reyes was serving a life sentence in New York State. He had never been identified. Hold on. I'm going to pause. So I did. I don't want to talk a whole lot about when they see us, but Corey Corey Wise had a tough time Mm -hmm. being in an adult jail. Um, His mom lived 350 miles away from the jail. Mm. So... To just go visit. I mean, that's a trip. You have to be mm-hmm. comfortable financially to be able to just make that trip. Mm-hmm. Um, there are scenes where they show him begging her, just please come visit me more. Mm-hmm. Um, asking for money for his commissary so he can get people off his back and she doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. It is heartbreaking. Oh, my God. I hate it. I mean, I have a 16-year-old and I have a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. And every time I see something about boys. I don't know why it's my son because my daughter seems like she could take care of herself, I mm-hmm. guess. But anytime I see something about like a teenage boy, I'm like, he's only two years older than Ivan. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. anyway. Um, <clears throat> okay. In 2001, convicted serial rapist and murderer Mateus Reyes was serving a life sentence in New York State. He had never been identified as a suspect in the Central Park attack on Miley, although he had been at large at the time. Reyes was later believed to have raped another woman in the same area of the park during the day two days before. Um, during that summer, he raped that summer. He raped four more women, killing one, and was interrupted after robbing a fifth. Oh my gosh! In 2001, Reyes met Wise when he was held at the Auburn Correctional Facility in upstate New York. In 2002, Reyes told officials that on the night of April 19, 1989, he had assaulted and raped the jogger. He was 17 years old at the time and said that he had acted alone. Reyes was then working at an East Harlem convenience store on 3rd Avenue and 102nd Street and living in a van on the street. Based on interviews and other evidence, the team believed that Reyes had acted alone. The rape appeared to have taken place in the Northwoods area after the main body of the 30 teenagers had moved well to, like, the south of the park. Mm -hmm. The timeline reconstruction of events made it unlikely that he was joined by any of the boys because the the riot group Mm -hmm. was not in that location at the time. They'd moved on to other not great things. Mm -hmm. In addition, Reyes was not known to have been associated with any of these defendants. None of the defendants in the rape mentioned him by name in association with the rape. Um, You might recall that... Was it Antron, I think, said that a Puerto Rican guy in mm-hmm. a hoodie did it. Reyes was not pros- Reyes was not prosecuted for the rape of Miley because the statute of limitations had passed. Of course it did. Um, Reyes had been convicted and sentenced to life in state prison for raping and robbing four other women. So in a plea deal, he pled guilty to the top counts in each of the five cases. On November 1, 1991. So he was in prison anyway. He was staying there. Mm-hmm. DNA analysis of the strands of hair found on the clothing of two of the young defendants conducted with advanced technology um, and not available at the time of their trial established that the hair did not belong to Trisha Miley. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is what the prosecution had testified to at the trial. That it was hers. That it was hers. They had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um Based on the newly discovered evidence, each of the five men who had been convicted of charges related to the rape of Miley filed motions to have their convictions set aside 
and for the court to grant whatever further relief may be just and proper. As a result of his team's review, Reyes's confession and the DNA evidence that confirmed he was the sole person to rape Miley, I couldn't find it talked about. They like they only found one seam like one semen and it matched him. Oh yeah, yeah like hmm. one just one sperm, just one, just one, <laughs> just one little drop. <laughs> Sorry, God. <laughs> the convictions of the fi- oh here we go because I looked up a definition. District Attorney Robert M. Morgenthau recommended vacating the convictions of the five defendants who had been, yeah, so vacating means make a previous legal judgment legally void. Got it. I had to look that one up. I was like, I don't know what that means. So the district attorney says, let's overthrow these convictions, basically. Mm -hmm. Supporters of the defendants again claimed that their confessions had been coerced by police. During the reinvestigation, the DA's office questioned the authenticity of their confessions because of their many inconsistencies and their lack of correspondence to establish facts in the case. So basically, they didn't know any of the facts. Mm -hmm. They were just kind of like, like me when I'm at work trying to figure stuff out and Mm -hmm. I hear like a buzzword and I'm like, repeat it. Yeah. On December 19, 2002, the five defendants' convictions were vacated by New York Supreme Court Justice Charles J. Tejada. As Morgenthau recommended, Tejada's order vacated the convictions for all the crimes of which the defendants had been. Yeah, okay. I really wanted to type convicted, I guess. Mm -hmm. All five of the defendants had completed their prison sentences at the time of Tejada's order. So they didn't get out of jail early. Right. They weren't released from prison early and, like, exonerated. They just (laughs) served their fucking sentences. Mm Mm-hmm. Their names were cleared in relation to the case, though. This also enabled them being removed from New York State's sex offender registry, in addition to having had difficulty getting employment or renting housing as Mm -hmm. registered offenders. They had been required to report to authorities in person every three months. Um, Lawyers for the five defendants repeated their assessment that Trump's advertisements in 1989 had inflamed public opinion about the case. Agreed. It was just like a media spectacle, which is crazy for Mm -hmm. like the late 80s. In the 80s, you just went out and like picketed. Like you held out signs. You didn't get on Facebook and bitch. Mm -hmm. Um, After Reyes confessed to the crime and said he acted alone, defense counselor Michael W. Warren said, I think Donald Trump at the very least owes a real apology to this community and to the young men and their families. Protests were held outside Trump Tower in October 2002 with with protesters chanting, Trump is a chump. Trump did not apologize. We need to bring, no. we need to bring Trump as a chump back. <laughs> In 2003, Kevin Richardson, Raymond Santana Jr., and Antron McRae sued the city for $250 million for malicious prosecution, racial discrimination, and emotional distress. The city refused for a decade to settle the suit, saying, the confessions that withstood intense scrutiny in full and fair pretrial hearings and at two lengthy public trials established probable cause. New York City lawyers under then-Mayor Michael Bloomberg believed the city would win the case if it went to, to civil trial. Under the new mayor, de Blasio, New York City announced a settlement in June of 2014 in the case for about $40 million. Santana, Salam, McRae, and Richardson each received around $7.1 million from the city for their years in prison, while Corey Wise received $12.2 million because he had served six additional years. Mm-hmm. 
The city did not admit to any wrongdoing in the settlement. The settlement averaged roughly $1 million for each year of imprisonment that each of the men had served. $1 million for a year of your life. Hmm. Uh, okay, so here's what the boys are doing now. They're men. Antron McRae was the first to move away from the city. He's married, has six children, and lives in Georgia. Aww. Kevin Richardson is married and lives with his family in New Jersey. According to the Innocence Project, he has acted as an advocate with Santana and Salam to reform New York State's criminal justice practices, advocating methods to prevent false confessions and eyewitness misidentifications. Mm. Trisha Miley had no idea what had happened. She went, yeah. she followed the evidence that was presented to her by prosecutors, mm-hmm. and she um, she was basically like, "Yeah, I wish I wish it didn't work out that way, but I had you know right." What else was she, honestly, what else was she supposed to do? I mean, Jesus. Among their goals was required videotaping of interrogations by law enforcement. Such a law was passed by the legislature and went into effect on April 1st, 2018. Youssef Salam has been an advocate for reform in the criminal justice system in prisons, particularly for juveniles, spoken out against practices such as false confessions and eyewitness misidentifications. He serves as a board member of the Innocence Project, as noted, Salam was an advocate for the law passed in 2017 requiring videotaping. That was 2018, you guys. Required mm-hmm. videotaping of accused subjects in all custodial interrogations for serious crimes. In 2016, he received a Lifetime Achievement Award from President Barack Obama. Wow. Yeah. Is he the one that was in the news recently? Youssef, he's the most recognizable one as an adult. Yeah. You like You see him and you're like, where do I know that guy from? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Raymond Santana also lives in Georgia, not far from Antron McRae. He serves as a criminal justice advocate with the Innocence Project. Um, he spoke in New York to audiences with Richardson and Salam to advocate for the above past law. Uh, he has appeared with other exonerees and presentations at local schools and colleges as well. In 2018, he started a clothing company, Park Madison NYC, named after the intersection near his former home in New York. Some of his merchandise commemorates the men of the Central Park Five. Mm. Corey Wise, the only one of the five who still lives in New York City, works as a speaker and justice activist. He donated $190,000 of his 2014 settlement to the chapter of the Innocence Project at the University of Colorado Law School to aid another wrongfully convicted, to aid other wrongfully convicted people to gain exoneration. They renamed the project in his honor as the Corey Wise Innocence Project. Hmm. Um, okay, so the Central Park Five, a documentary film about the case, um, debuted at the Cannes Film Festival in May 2012. Documentarian Ken Burns said he hoped the material of the film would push the city to settle the men's case against it. Mm-hmm. And it did, basically. Yeah, because um, it brought it back into the limelight. Really. Yeah, all it takes is to just be reminded. Yeah. On May 31st, 2019, Ava DuVernay's When They See Us, a four-episode feature on Netflix, was released. DuVernay co-wrote and directed the drama. Its release on Netflix prompted renewed interest in the case and of the lives of the five men and this podcast. hmm Yeah. Oh, girl. <sighs> That's and crazy. And the actors and the young men were also did—I didn't watch it, but they did an interview with Oprah. Mm. Um. Yeah. Cool. There's a lot of really good actors and actresses in When They See Us. So I'll have to watch it. Yeah. That was really good. Thanks. I didn't know all the details of it. Just like every other story that I ever do. Right. Or here. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> That's so good. They were young. 
14 and 15. Mm-hmm. My, that's my brother's age. Yeah. So, you know, kids can do terrible stuff, especially when they're in a group and they get mm-hmm. all wound up. But my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we were, when I was there for a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. he had his friends over because they were celebrating his birthday early and they were rambunctious and loud. So I can see how. I can see how mm-hmm. you can get a group of boys to. Yeah, you get them wound up, they get wound up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that's, t- I mean, it was a tough <sighs> one. And I I did go down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Like, I have way more tabs open than I typically do when I'm <laughs> writing a story. I was, in, I was into this one. Yeah. Yeah, it made me upset. That's good. I like those overturned convictions. Mm-hmm. I like the ones that evoke feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of feelings. Because Trisha Miley, she's just, she's amazing. <laughs> no one deserves it, but she didn't deserve it. No. The boys didn't deserve it. Mm-mm. I'm sure they'd gotten into trouble and weren't, uh, they were not doing anything good that night in the park. Yeah. But not this. But yeah, you not, can't, not all that. can't just enforce your storyline on someone else. Mm-hmm. Just because it's convenient. Yeah, just because you want to like, Close this case and go home. Mm-hmm. So do they. Wow. Yeah, I mean it. She really does. About to join the Innocence Project. That'd be really cool. That would be cool. She's serious. Yeah. Serious. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, it's 320. <sighs> I might be able to write that other story before I go get Amelia. Okay. And then I can drop her off. Oh, no. You'll be done. You'll be trying to leave. You don't stay till 6. Why do I think you stay till 6? I do not stay till 6. Because you're on the air later. Yeah. That's probably right. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm stupid. You're not stupid. <sighs> Just a little silly, Billy. A little bit. A little bit silly. Oh, my God. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And if you guys it. have to wait, you have to wait. Oh, girl. Yeah. Oh, girl. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole on these. Are you? Yep. You want me to send you that link? <laughs> <laughs> there was, uh, like, an, another g- kid who, there was, like, six involved, but I think yeah. he got he got a lesser charge. He only was um, indicted on John Laughlin's case, mm. so he didn't spend as much time, and he wasn't My mom, involved. in <clears throat> 2010, she face-planted into a car and got a concussion oh my God. to where she doesn't remember big chunk of time oh my god because she they were on a bike ride because she like you know fitness freak and they were on a bike ride to train for a triathlon oh my god your mom and she i think they were like coming around a corner and she hit somebody's tire and she flew over her over her bike and land face planted into a parked car thankfully it was a parked car and my god car so I would I had to have been a sophomore because I think it happened like the spring of 2010. Look how kinky this hair is. Oh, that's weird. Isn't that weird? Feel and feel how thick it is. I get those oh. hairs every once in a while where it's like twice as thick as my normal hair. And it's Curly real, hair is super real coarse. Kinky. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but sorry. So we, it was like that was like a beard hair. I know that was the length of your arm. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. So she. <laughs> So we got, like, my they were divorced, mm-hmm. and my dad was tucking my brother into bed, and I was downstairs in the kitchen, and my dad's phone started ringing, and it popped up with my mom's mm-hmm. name on it. And I was like, hi, Mom. And it was this guy that was like, Emily, is your dad there? And I was like, 
okay, first off, who the fuck is calling my father? Like, right. what man is calling my father from my mother's phone? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, yeah, hang on. So I took it upstairs, and my dad's like, oh, okay. Mm. And he hung up the phone, and he's like, your mom's been in an accident. And my, I think the worst regardless, but especially when it comes to my parents. Yeah, and I'm your like, mom. Is she going to die? Oh. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I was like, you got to, I said, you, we got to go. Like, I got to go. Mm-hmm. I got to, I have to go. <laughs> and so thankfully, that was when my grandpa had recently moved in down the street. Oh, and nice. He, and I tried calling him to get him to come pick me up, but he wasn't answering. I said, go. I was like, so dad's like, I'll drive down there, see if he's down there. And so they both came back because my brother had just gone yeah, to bed. And you, Jake's and he like, was little. Yeah, right? he was like five. Oh, God. So obviously we didn't need all that. But I was like, I have to. I said, I will walk. <laughs> I was like, oh. I will. And it's like she went to the hospital. She was in the hospital in South Bend. So oh. it wasn't just like <laughs> my 15-year-old ass wasn't walking. Right. And she, we got to the hospital. And I, like, ran inside, like, left my grandpa in the dust. Oh, my God. Ran inside. And he, I had to wait for him because they weren't, they wouldn't have let me in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we walked in, and they're like, the doctor's like, she's still, she's out of it. <laughs> and I walked in, and she was still on the stretcher, mm-hmm. on, like, the, the, ba- the board. Yeah. And her teeth were broken, and she was bloody oh god like my 15 year old self shouldn't have seen my mother like that but there was no way I wasn't going to I mean I wouldn't be able to keep Amelia and she was so bloody and her her I mean she was just covered in blood and dried blood and Mm -hmm. she I was instantly started crying and she like I was so worried that she wouldn't she wouldn't remember me or at like, I was so worried that like oh. something bad was going to happen. Right. And she reached out and grabbed my hand and she's like, Oh, Emmy. <laughs> like she had no idea oh, what was going God. on. And then the best part is she <clears throat> says, she goes, what happened? And I'm like, you were in an accident. And she's like, she goes, I was. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, my teeth are all jacked up. And like, she would go and try and touch them. Oh, but she, God. I mean, she was, I mean, yeah. it was bad. Yeah. And I was like, no, no. And we're like, no, 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 don't do it. And then a couple of seconds later, she'd go, what happened? Oh, God. <laughs> and then you'd say, yeah. and then we would, you know, just right. kind of change up the answer and be like, you face planted into a car. And she'd go, <laughs> cool. Oh, my God. And then my teeth are all jacked up. <laughs> so we pick on her a little bit. We kind of joke back and forth of what happened? Oh my god. They're all jacked up. <laughs> but Man. it was so scary. And she had a concussion. She broke or she had to have stitches on her on her eyebrow. She broke oh. her like she fractured her front teeth in like her She I was going she fast. She fractured her jaw. But she like I mean she she was going fast. Yeah. She Damn. It was bad. It was very scary. It was a scary that was the scariest moment of my life. Yeah. Like, I I wrecked my bike rough enough to have, like, a, a good couple of weeks of mm-hmm. road rash and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I was go- I was going fairly slow because I was coming up on an intersection. Oh, yeah. Um, and I slammed on my handbrake because a car, not paying any attention to me, mm-hmm. cut me off. Like, I almost hit the car. Yeah. Right as the—it was a van. Right as the van went past— I, like, flew over the handlebars of my bike because mm. I slammed on my handbrake. Yeah. Um, but I had slowed down, like, 
seen them coming. Like, what if they don't stop? They totally didn't. Um, and I was like, mm, two miles away from my house. Mm. My ex-husband would not answer the phone. Mm-hmm. And I hauled my bloody side two, two miles. <sighs> I walked for a little bit and I was like, man, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Get back on the bike and go. Yeah. And it was like a little bent, but it got me home much faster. Mm-hmm. And I was going so slow. Yeah. And that impact, I like my elbow's still fun- funky from it. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And they they were almost done with their ride. It was like you know, I mean, it was yeah. a long ride because you're preparing for triathlon. And she doesn't she doesn't remember leaving the bike shop to start their ride. Isn't that nuts? And then she obviously doesn't remember she doesn't remember being in the hospital or any of it. Damn. But yeah. And then she, I mean, she did the same thing. She got back on her bike. I mean, it took a little bit for her to gain mm-hmm. she for her to be confident enough to get back on the bike, but she did. Your mom is amazing. Women are amazing. Yeah. People people are pretty cool. People but yeah, are pretty cool. that was every when you were like she didn't remember this big chunk of time, I was like, Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see that. You hit your head hard enough, you ain't gonna remember shit. Jesus Christ. Or I guess she didn't really hit her head. Right. <sighs> if your head gets hit hard enough. <laughs> we don't mean it. <laughs> You heard anything. Everything I hear about your mom, I'm more and more impressed with her and like I her know, more. I'm so impressed with My her. My God. She's the most impressive person. I, I just know. want some of that. So I just want a little bit of that vibe. I know. Yeah. She's perfect. She is great. All One right. day I'll tell her in person. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, happy Fourth of July. Oh my gosh. Fuck. That's mm. insane. Happy mm. birthday to my mm. brother. Is his, his birthday? On the 7th. Oh, my God. He's going to be 15. 15. My little little baby brother's going to be 15. What's his game of the moment? Uh, he was playing, was he playing Destiny when I was there for mm. Father's Day? Okay. Or did he say it was like Destiny? Mm. I think he said it, it's a game, but it's like Destiny is what I re- remember. Mm. Okay. I also Just wasn't curious. paying that close attention. Wow. So there's that. I'm pretty sure it was whatever newest game is like Destiny. That's what it was. Oh, my God. That game's so cool. 